This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to You're Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Uh. Meh. Textual healing. So, two things with this. There was a New York Times article called uh, How a Campaign Against Transgender Rights Mobilized Conservatives. Now, there's two things to this conversation because New York Times is a, a trigger word for a lot of people, especially trans and LGBTQ activists right now, because GLAAD recently called on New York Times to, um, well, they had three things, to stop printing anti-trans bias stories and to listen to trans people to come in to have conversations with trans people and to hire more trans people. And they argue that, that well, I'll just read part of GLAAD's statement. Um, the science desk decided to spend more than a year undermining support for transgender youth by writing just asking questions, in quotes, and about medically approved best practices for gender affirming healthcare. The opinion editors don't really, or they they seem to, they hire some very controversial anti-trans uh, voices within the opinion section. And they hired um, David French, also an opinion writer, um, who's an attorney for the Alliance of Defending Freedom, an organization for the Southern Poverty Law Center des- designated an anti-LGBTQ hate group. And so there's a big call to like ban the New York Times because of their trans coverage. And it's a really uncomfortable conversation for me because on one hand, I feel like I... I, I, I should, I'm, I'm not trans, so I can't really speak to the to the the level of bias that New York New York Times seems to have. But from what I've seen, I haven't been like this article, for example, I thought was a really good indicator of sort of like how the conservative right has gotten to this point of banning drag shows and the anti-trans legislation that they've been pushing these years. And the article gave a really concise sort of like growth from marriage equality till now. And it felt very sort of like unbiased and i want to add this is a new york times article yes yeah that's what i meant that's what i said at the beginning it's new york times article so like i what do you guys think about that first and foremost i mean i think it's a it's it's really interesting i mean it feel it does read like such a distinct history of of recent history of how quickly the right has been able to jump on the anti-trans bag bandwagon and mobilize it in the same place they did with um you know opposing gay marriage 15 years ago i 
didn't even think about that element of the sort of New York, the New York Times protest of it all. Um, I just had forgotten about that. So I, I, in light of that, I mean, this feels like a pretty comprehensive history to me. Yeah, I know. That's what I, what were you going to say, Brent? Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, just to kind of speak to the fact that I, I 100% do not support um, uh, canceling the New York Times over something such as this. Um, I would like to obviously... I've, I've seen these headlines and I know we've talked about it on the podcast before about how they've uh, employed or, or, or had editorials written by some pretty right wing individuals. I think I would like to read what they wrote before I, uh, you know, decided exactly how nefarious uh, their sentiment was. I'm assuming it's bad because they're jerks, but like I, I would still want to read it first. Um, but I, I guess I'll just kind of throw my hat in that, like in the ring that, you know, I, I think there's there's nothing that destabilizes democracy and and our our fight for justice uh, faster than saying newspapers should be canceled. So I, yeah, I'll go been, hard against that. But that's but, always been kind of my I mean, I've always sort of like fallen on that sword a little bit in that there was years ago where there was a conversation around Out Magazine having a cover piece on um, I don't know if it was a cover piece, but it was a feature on Milo Yiannopoulos, that alt right sort of figure. And he's kind of disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's definitely disappeared. Right. He should disappear. That's good. The the system worked the way it should in that in that case. But um, there was a big call to sort of like ban, like boycott out and boycott. And to me, part of me as just sort of that as a writer and as just sort of a person who works in media, I get really it's a scary place when you go to a place where you start telling news organizations what they can and can't write even if you don't like it and it i i while i do think there needs to be sensitivity training for how for lots of different things for racism for homophobia for anti-gender biases for but also i think there needs to be training for just sort of like decorum of difference of opinion and yes there is a space in which that someone who has anti-trans and dangerous views that that needs to be schooled and, and sort of police so that there isn't misinformation being put out there. There isn't medically false information being put out there. And I think part of Glad's argument is maybe that there is false information, medically false information being put out there. And I, I'm not sure that's their argument, but I feel like it might be. And there needs to be a space for the, that sort of like, you know, that counterpoint, that, that, that differing opinion. I, I think that's a healthy thing to have. Yeah. So it makes me really uncomfortable, but I'm also like, I support and love trans people and I don't want someone writing shit about them, you know? Sure. And and, and I, I that's kind of goes back to my point of like, I, you know, I, I see these broad strokes. I see these sort of activist Twitter accounts that are like the New York times pays a bad man to do, to say bad things. And I, I but I still don't see quotes and, and that's my fault. You know, I could read these editorials quite frankly. I don't think anyone gives a fuck about the editorials. <laughs> I never, I subscribe to the New York times and I never read the editorials, yeah. but, um, Speak but, for yourself. Oh, right. I also uh, never read them either. I'm never. I, yeah, I do. I like Maureen Dowd. And so fucking annoying. I don't need. I don't need. I don't care. I, I feel like I have a very strong opinion in and of itself. Yeah, I don't need to read other people's how, opinion. How I, you know, I'll watch the Sunday talk shows for that. But like, Alan, what was the second part of this? What was the. So, then, so the article, the, the meat of the article was on the the sort of timeline in which the conservative, the, the Christian conservative right have sort of gotten to this place where we are now with a lot of the anti-trans legislation that's been happening in the recent years. And it started with marriage equality. So when the Supreme Court essentially legalized uh, same-sex marriage, the right needed 
something else to be. Can a I, yeah. Can I add that this 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 quote like sends shivers down my spine? Oh, yeah. I was just about to read it. Okay. Yeah. So the one of the people who is from a conservative organization said quoted in the New York Times, um, we when same sex marriage was legalized, we knew we needed to find an issue that candidates were comfortable talking about. And we threw everything at the wall. And what has stuck, which is the the author of the article goes on to say, what has stuck uh, somewhat unexpectedly is the issue of transgender identity, particularly among young people. And this is not a new thing. So if you go back to Anita Bryant in the 1970s and that whole sort of like save the children campaign that she was on right before she got that pie thrown in her face, it is always about children children and protecting Mm. the children. Also, it's not a coincidence either that like the QAnon uh, realm of the alt-right or the QAnon realm of, of fringe society is also dead set and focused on quote unquote, saving the children yeah. from this cabal like of child, pedophiles child and child yeah. trafficking. Yeah. And it's, it's such a strange focus. And it's one of those things that they have used successfully. To, it's like an old trick that, yeah. that it's like we're blind to, but they just keep using it. And, the scary thing is polling um, amongst the public is 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 going in their favor in terms of people are worried about the children. And so and, and because support and the general public support for transgender rights uh, is different than same than support for same sex marriage. Right. It's it's scary what they can do with this because the public knows so little about transgender people and transgender rights and just like we've learned with same-sex marriage, once people start seeing happy couples getting married and seeing how normal it is and how you know everything is normal here, that they the public poll starts going up and the same will happen with transgender people, but it's just not happening yet. And they're utilizing that to go against and make laws against trans people. I hear you, and and it, it worries me as well. I will say though, and, and we've said I've said this privately, uh, but I do think, and I don't, I'm not saying any members of the trans community are guilty of this, but I think that advocates of the trans community online have done a really bad job of being, um, uh, of talking about, you know, uh, talking about the trans community. And I think they tend to, we tend to shut down debates as opposed to having open discussions about them. What's and, the genesis of you saying, how dare you? I mean, exactly. <laughs> and And at the end of the day, like, this might even this statement might be controversial, but like I do think for some people, uh, uh, transitioning genders is a big deal. And I, but I don't think that the online dialogue is permitting of even an opinion like that. And I, I think it, I think it tends to shut down conversation faster than it should. And yeah. I, we didn't do that with the LGB, you know, the LGB movement, so to speak. And, yeah. I just I, I hope that we become a little bit more open about like let's let's accept some nuance, nuance yeah. and some just and let's let's accept a dialogue and let's have that dialogue and let's not instantly jump to calling someone a bigot if they don't instantaneously agree totally. with and I yeah. think I think one of the things that needs to happen, for example, I mean even just like the the concept of like what you said, transitioning genders. Now, if we were in a Twitter space, you would get dragged for saying that because that's not what you're doing. The gender is not a part of whatever sexual organ you have. The gender is the identity. And right. the surgery is meant to essentially correct what the your gender actually, right, right. or at least reflect the gender in which you wish to be in the world. And so, and you feel that you are. And- But also on Twitter, Brent would, 
in real life, Brent says, oh, I like he just says, oh, I see. Whereas on Twitter, Brent or whomever would be like, would yeah. normally be like, fuck it. Yeah, you know, it, it would become antagonistic be so insane. quickly. There's no and, and, and because of that, and I feel like this is I actually feel like there are more people who are who don't who are not against, I don't want to say they're against trans people because I don't believe that actually there are large numbers of people against trans people. I feel like there's large numbers of people who don't understand, don't understand it, don't understand and have not encountered it in their lifetime. And because of that, they're feeling threatened because this, because outside of the trans issue, society in general has become more volatile and we've become more angry extremists. And so they're terrified of saying the wrong thing and getting canceled or getting yelled at or getting getting fired or whatever the thing is. And 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 if they if they're monsters, they should get that treatment, sure. But for the most for the most people, I'm going to give my mother a pass for not knowing the language around trans issues because at the end of the day, she's supporting and loving of every single person that walks into her home. And yeah. you give her the benefit of the doubt of letting her understand and take a moment to wrap her head around something she probably has not seen before but what i what i wanted to say in that is that i think the people who are causing the most harm are the right who insist instead of listening to people lgbtq people and specifically trans people who say no dylan mulvaney is a woman that is a woman and yet they will insist on calling dylan misgendering dylan and saying he man and saying horrible things and as as a means to antagonize, as a means to yes. intentionally be ignorant in a combative way, and that to me is the most dangerous thing because that shuts down a conversation faster than anything else. Well, f- I mean, of course, I mean that's that's just sort of hateful, but also that is what your favorite platform does best, Alan: Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> I like how you think those are my favorite. Platforms. <laughs> Well, you get those big fat checks and all of think, a sudden you turn think, a blind eye to all the shit that they do. Anyway, no, I think I think Twitter is the most violent space for that. And I also I, I yeah. also think that the, you know, it it is such a clear I mean it's so juvenile but like the whole thing with someone like Dylan Mulvaney, it's like maybe they don't understand or or have the the capacity to consider someone someone like her experience but instead of being uh, like to brent's point gentle and or nuanced about it or just making the space to try and understand it instead i I do think this is a more recent phenomenon especially with with trump they embrace the bully tactics and instead they what they don't understand what they don't understand or what they might fear or might see in themselves they then jump and attack and it's it is such an unfortunate way of doing things because when you don't, when the people on the left don't give them the chance to to understand, yeah, then you're not gonna, you're never gonna find that balance in between where you can just, ground. yeah, you can just disagree on something and, and then find the middle ground, like. Well, and it's also too, I mean, just to the social media point, I I do have to say that for a lot of trans people they do not have support in the communities they come from. There are not a lot of visible or out trans people in which they can talk about what they're feeling and experiencing and going through. And social media has been a wonderful tool for so many trans people, for queer people in general, for lots of marginalized communities to find community outside of an ignorant, repressed community they might be stuck in because of economic reasons or whatever it is. And so I do think that yes, Brent, 
social media can be a monster, but it can also be a place that can actually do a lot of good for a lot of marginalized people who just want to connect with other people who are like them because they can't see them in, the, in their everyday lives. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear that and I don't disagree by any means, but I also think there's a world in which it actually um, opens people up to the vulnerabilities of being of, of receiving more criticism than of you course. would otherwise. What's I mean, worse? I, I, I saw a stat. What's wor- I'm sorry, but what's worse? Having people actually having a friend who maybe doesn't live near you, but is trans and that you can you can see their tweets, their Instagram posts. And sure, you're going to see a lot of hate and you're going to hear a lot of horrible voices coming your way. But at least you have that one or two group of people that you can DM with or see their posts or like their posts or maybe live an experience that they're posting. Like, that's a healthy thing. Yeah, I, I don't disagree that that is that is and can be a healthy thing. I just think I think that it, it, the reality is like there are probably better places to get it on the Internet to get that kind of affirmation and but they just aren't as popular as social media so everyone goes to social media which obviously refuses to police anything as we all know and the result is uh you know we have a really um shitty toxic way of uh, institution that allows trans people to reach out and 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 connect with other trans members of their community but the reality is there should be better ways of doing it. Now, that's not our fault. That's, you know, that's no yeah. one's fault. I don't blame people for using these platforms to reach out and and to connect. But well, the know. better way, I mean, the better way of doing it would be having an inclusive sort of sex ed classes in schools that actually teach people about their sexuality and their gender in a really expansive way. But yet, for the most part, school boards across the country refuse to have that because trans people essentially are, quote unquote, a danger to the children. And having that education, that conversation is barred in school. So if you can't get it in schools, you can't see that friend in school, you can't get it at the mall, you can't get it at the library, where can you get it? And the kid's going to go online and they're going to go to the most popular places. They're going to go to Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, Snapchat, whatever it is. They're not going to Facebook anymore. <laughs> well, they should they should be watching real world on MTV and that's where they can get it. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Not even joking. We are joined today by comic book artist and author Joey Capuana. Hello, Joey. Hey, Joey. Hi. Hi. Well, I'm not, I'm not actually the artist. I am only the writer of my comic book. The in, this, in our house, you are an artist. Well, yeah, I am an artist. I am an artist. That happens um, quite a bit. Of the, the written people, word. The people who do the story and the artwork are often, not often, but are sometimes separate. Yes. I think probably mostly, most often separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some artists who are also writers who are like writing and drawing their own thing. There are plenty of those too. Like Alison Bechtel, 
yeah. famously fun. I, I remember I remember when Jamie Lee Curtis was releasing her own children's oh. books that she had an illustrator for all of her books as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had an interview once with uh, with David Duchovny and he put out a graphic novel recently and I asked him if he drew anything and he drew a picture of me and it was so bad. Oh no! Oh wow! But he's not the yeah. artist. He's not the artist. He's just the writer. He's special. yeah, 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 the yeah, yeah. God, Remember God. when David? Sorry, this is like a, such an aside. But remember when in the nineties everyone was like, David Duchovny is so hot, and I was he like, is. Yes, he is. I do. Yes, I, I fundamentally disagree. Yeah, he <laughs> is so hot. That picture of him with the bowl over his dick. Oh my God, that got me. Wait, wait what? I remember that? Yes. Oh, Google that bitch. That that got me. I am googling it right now. Yeah, he's googling it right now. David Duchovny bowl. Thick. it's it's gonna yeah. be a greedy photo and you're gonna love it you're gonna love it oh it's so yeah, it's like an it's like an old school photo from the 90s sorry Elliot, go ahead yeah it's like his red shoe diaries days well i mean just i mean this is i i'm just curious like i think he's handsome but maybe it's like a he's like a sexy he's because se i'm with brent i'm like i i see that he's an attractive guy i don't get the whole oh, brent thinks he's, he's like hot. a sex guy no you brent don't think he's Oh, I thought you did. No. Uh, you said you fundamentally disagreed with not getting why he's sexy. That's why I was like, Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Alan, whenever I use the word fundamentally disagree, it's always for something you've said. So yeah, you okay. can you can take that. You no, can there's take just that something sure. about like, especially him being like a sex addict. You know what I mean? Like that that yeah. also was kind of hot in a weird way. Right. And he was with Taylor yeah. Tony, who was kind of like a gay man. Who I actually right. think is really. I think I always thought she was really. Yeah, hot. Brent, Brent historically loves Taylor It's true. It's part of. <laughs> Right. Now, Joey, important. Our first important question is: Do you think David Duchovny is hot? I feel. I feel like he's objectively hot. I feel like he's mm. he's has this very like normal right. hotness to him. Yeah, he's not like yeah you you. He's like a hot guy that you would see at the farmers market. You exactly. know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. If, I think if you saw him at the farmers market, you would definitely be like. Look at that. You, you would blow him in the like, bathroom of the farmer's market. Well, yeah. I was going to say, you, you don't jerk off, but, but you look twice. Yeah. I, you I definitely think, look, right. You yeah, definitely you look nudge your friend. I get yeah. that. I get you guys that. cannot yeah. have David Duchovny all. I'll take all of him for you. Don't yeah. worry. Well, yeah. Brent's got we dibs go. on Taylioni, so <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch that. But okay. Joey, yeah. this is about you, not David Duchovny. Hi, yeah, Joey. That's right. <laughs> Hi. So wow. tell us a little bit about Trance, which is your newest uh, comic book um, about a Southern bar secretly run by witches. Ooh. Yes. Um, yeah. Trance is like a supernatural mystery comic book series. Um, yeah. Set in Savannah, Georgia, where this queer bar nightclub, Trance, is um, operated by a coven of witches. And... Um, one of the witches, their ex-boyfriend goes missing amidst a string of serial murders, and they have to investigate, and it sort of entangles the coven in this twisted supernatural mystery conspiracies, um, and they get involved with, like, a satanic serial killer, so oh, wow. it's, it's fun. Great. It's very... It's very like true blood in tone. It's a little cheeky and funny. Yeah. Um and but so, yeah, it's a it's so, a it's a queer like superhero comic book in my mind at the same time. So t tell me about like your process. Like where do you start with an idea like that? Does it just kind of pop into your head or like 
you kind of muse over it for years and then you forced yourself to do something about it? Yeah, I think it, this particular project has been in my brain in different forms for many, many years. Uh, like almost, oh, wow. Yeah, almost like probably like nine years ago was the first time I like opened a document and typed gay witchcraft. <laughs> and like, it was uh, at the time <clears throat> I I had kept meeting gay people who were like, I'm a witch. And I was like, uh-huh. okay, but what if you were? Um, not to like, <laughs> not to say that there aren't, but you know what I mean? I I was very skeptical. I was not a Zodiac head for a sure. while. I still I, kind of am yeah. not. But it's not going to be skeptical when someone says they're a witch. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. I, I think some you know, people like think... believe in the Wiccan sort of like religious aspect of it. But if you focus on like your Zodiac shit, that's just you without a personality. Like you're just a boring person. Yeah, well, this nice. guy, this guy that I hooked up with told me that he had caused the most recent LA earthquake. Oh, brother. Oh, no. With his, with his witchcraft. Oh, no. So, uh, so yeah. Wow. So it's like, but anyway, that was really fun idea to think about. And I had wow. always been obsessed with like, like True Blood or American Horror Story Coven, which always like felt like super gay without, I mean, those are both made by oh, gay men, yeah. but, but they were never like explicitly gay and like queer people were never front and center. So I was like, what if queer people were? And so I started this document. At the time, it was an idea for a comic book, only because I had mostly write TV, but I was like, um, I didn't think that a show about a coven of queer witches could exist on TV. But again, this was nine years ago. Now I do and am pitching it. But um, there, but it, anyway, it, it existed on my computer for a long time. Then I and actually wrote it as a TV pilot. And then I sent the TV pilot to a comic book company uh-huh about comics who's publishing the comic book so they were the pilot and we're like yeah we can make this into a, a comic book series so that's sort of how it came so well, what's what i mean i was gonna say have you met a bunch of people who've read it like do you like when it comes to books like this like do you go on book tours do you just like do you meet fans like what's the reaction then from the community did the guy yeah, well, the earthquake is he your publicist now? Yeah, I we are not in touch. We are not in touch. He was like DL actually. Also, he was a DL oh, with. Wow, with. That's, that's, wow. That's I don't know. I wish him well. He was. He lived in Long Beach. Oh. Um, okay. I love that detail. He's a witch that lived in Long Beach in the DL. <laughs> um. Anyway, so it hasn't come out yet. So. I don't know how everyone is going to respond to it, except that I feel like it will be beloved. Wait, um, question, though. There are a lot of gays. About... There are a lot of gay witches out there. That's yeah, funny. I have a question for you. So, have you always been a comic nerd, comic person? Has that always been an interest of yours, or is this sort of like a new thing for you? Medium, medium comic person. I always loved like superheroes growing up. I was like very into like fantasy and superheroes like X-Men were like everything to me. But it, but growing up, it was more that, like cartoons that I was like consuming. And then I would like go on Wikipedia and like read everything that happened in the comic books without actually reading the comic books. Yeah. So I like knew all the details and like all the lore and whatever. I would occasionally like buy a comic book and read it, but I, that wasn't like where I was, where my obsession with these worlds came from it wasn't until high school that i delved into comic books 
uh with firstly with Watchmen, which like everyone had says is like the best comic book yeah. ever written has the and it dick, is incredible. Right? The blue dick. The blue dick. It has a lot a lot of blue dicks, yes. Okay. Um and that's all I know. It, it was really good. And then from then on, I was blown away by Watchmen. It I recommend it if you have not read it. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh, funny that I, I used to I used to do shows at a um a comic book store called Meltdown. Uh and they were very generous. Whenever you did whenever you performed it on their show, you would get an eighty dollar gift gift certificate for the store, which was like pretty Oh good. my god. Yeah, and that's a lot. So I, I did that show a lot and I ended up racking up like hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And I am so not into comic books that one day I went out of my way. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to Meltdown just to kind of walk around. I've got all this money. Let me see. There wasn't one fucking thing in that entire <laughs> I did the same thing. I did the same thing that with I wanted <laughs> the gift cards. I used to get those gift cards too for performing there. And there was this guy I was seeing at the time who was like super into comics. And I was just like, oh, this is going to win me. Like, I'm going to be able to like do any yeah, right, right. Like, give him all of these hundreds of dollars. We'll give him your blue dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We broke up <laughs> after that, but yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry. I Ellie, feel I, like I there was something, question. there was something in that store that for you, you just didn't know about it. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure if like an AI read all the books and told me, gave me like a summary, could figure out like which one I would have <laughs> liked. But so, Joey, if so, when you got into comic books in high school, that was, I always, it was always interesting to me because I was always kind of out and I was always like the gay one in my school and elsewhere in lots of spaces. And I never, I've met the sort of like queer comic book nerds sort of people, but I never could understand them because it always like, I remember once I tried to read um, The Walking Dead and then I found out they had like a hundred different volumes of it. And I was like, what the, this isn't the New Testament. What the fuck's wrong with you? Just write a fucking book and call it a day. Right. And yes. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, it's like a TV series in a way. I was, I was following The Walking Dead for a long time. The comics, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't love the show, but I really loved the comics and thought they were brilliant and amazing. And so high stakes there were so many characters hmm. people were people were dying left and right it was kind of right. fun uh yeah um the author of that is a genius robert kirkman yeah um and yeah there are a lot of issues i mean i'm like i said medium into comics i'm only the only series that i currently like read continuously well maybe two sex Criminals, mm -hmm. which is really fun, which is about people that can stop time when they have sex. Oh, okay. Um, and then Saga, which is also wonderful. It's like this sci-fi epic adventure. The characters are just yeah, really the sex awesome. Now, now, I was gonna say this. So, what do the what do they do when time is stopped while they're fucking? In the beginning, they're like they're they're gonna like rob a bank. Oh, they're okay. Actually, no, wait, wait, wait. They're, yeah, they're like robbing the company that the guy works for. And they have to keep fucking while this happens or they can stop? No, it's 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 when they come. So oh, they have to like okay. time, they have to time their orgasm. Got it, got it. So that they um Once come they at the same the time the and they can ball, stop. Then they can come, okay. <laughs> there was that show yeah, yeah, yeah. in the 80s. I forget what it was, but it was- It's a, out of this world. It's out of this world. And all I ever wanted to do, a little personal yes. me, because I used to watch reruns of that, and she would stop time whenever she would yes. put her fingers together and then go- Oh, right, right. And I, I always wanted that. to stop time and then like 
pants all the hot guys I wanted to see their dicks off. Like that's yeah, all. that's right. You've said that before. And I live. <laughs> yeah. Didn't be, didn't bewitch? Didn't she do something? She probably could stop time. I bet she, she, she would. Yeah. She would w- wiggle her nose. That's right. Yeah. She would, that's right. She would. She would, she would wiggle her nose. Yeah. Ellie, did you have you you had a question a, a minute ago? And I yeah, I had a question. If uh, now since you do you know lean towards writing genre, um, is there a difference between writing a comic book, even if somebody else does the artwork for it, versus a graphic novel? Um, no. The well, the only difference is like the a graphic novel is like ends like a novel, as opposed to like a series. A comic book series which would is going to continue x amount of issues or potentially forever if it's like x-men or whatever cool um another thing so you also do you you also are a playwright um and you wrote a show i, I guess most recently called fucking straight uh, the, guys okay <laughs> yes i was gonna it, throw, uh it's, it's that is yeah it's, it's currently in the works um Fucking straight guys, yes. It, it it it's the most personal thing I've ever written. It's about okay. a more a more toxic version of myself, um, who is running away from his shame, um, by and like getting validation from like sleeping with seducing straight guys, and then it all mm-hmm. blows up in his face. But I love the double right. meaning of fucking straight guys and fucking straight guys. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yes. It is about how much does that actually happen though? Like the straight guys, having, like, like hooking up with a straight guy, right? You've never done it. Um, yeah, you've never done it. Not many times, Alan. <laughs> I guess <laughs> not enough. Not enough to write a play about it. But um, <laughs> I have. It has been a part of my life a lot, a lot. I would say. Yeah, the uh, witch. I mean, I, w- probably so. I was in a fraternity. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm I, it's I, I if if I have a power that might be my power, getting people to question their sexuality, um, I, which I do enjoy. I do enjoy to play with that power. But I was in a fraternity in college, and it definitely started there. Like once I came out, I came out while I was in the frat in college, and then guys were like, "Can I suck your dick?" Like behind closed doors, they were like, "There was so much curiosity." And then, yeah, definitely, I was, like, very into it. And then, like, fetishizing that whole aspect. And I think, like, yeah, I think there's this whole sort of validation aspect of, like, oh, I'm, like, there's, like, this reaching for masculinity or, like, almost, like, proving and validating my own masculinity by, like, um, yeah. yeah yeah having sex with a straight guy but uh, but to... i also don't like it and i want and um anyway so i mean well, we can see how it's toxic too if you feel like at a certain point it must feel like there's the excitement of seduction but then you then become sort of like a a a, 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 a your fetish party favor a fetishized you know a, yeah tr- like a trick and i don't mean that in the gay sense like it's like a like a like a magic trick almost but at the same time it must feel like i'm sure it must feel um disposable well i mean on one hand it's of course very hot on the other hand it's disposable i also have um zero experience with it so i'm bitter and um a guy who ended up straight no sir oh okay interesting i yeah um 
Yeah, well, you'll, when my play comes out, you come watch, you'll see how I feel. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of there's lots of ideas. I feel all sorts of ways about it. I'm trying to get all of them in the play. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, there's there's this sort of like whiplash too. I think to your point about like feeling like a trick, that's definitely a part of it. Like yeah. feeling sort of used yeah. in that way, even though like, my character, Joey, also is um, sort of using them at the same time. And I also think masculinity is a lot about using people and like entitlement or mm. generally. So um, that's, that's a part of it. But I think like uh, there's this whiplash of like growing up gay when it was like the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, now it's like trendy and yep. like oh yeah. it makes a straight guy more interesting if you like kisses a guy yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's almost as if yeah. straight men have reached the the point of saturation that like the Katy perry's of the world reached at like 2010 when they were like i kissed a girl ooh, and now guys are like <laughs> i kissed a boy how about that you know like well but there's I, also yeah, the yeah. element of like i mean to this day I, I don't know the numbers in porn, but like I have a feeling the dominant straight porn sort of like fetish or the porn gay porn fetish is the straight guy going gay. Oh, like yeah, yeah. feeling that's still the dominant oh, and, for and sure. it, it fucks with like the masculinity thing in the culture and how like, you know, well, that, guys aren't are sort of disposable because of all of that. And it's it plays into all of it. Like straight dudes have a huge dominance over queer culture. You know, every Alan, I'll tell you this. Every single time I pull up one of those videos on my computer, I say, how dare you? As I <laughs> pull my pants down. And but anyway, anyway, go ahead, Ellie. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, like, to your point, Alan, there is a reason that, you know, it's it's a topic to explore. But it's also a reason that, like gay men for what felt like 20 years were like Hollister and like Quicksilver because yeah. yeah, it was like course. the most masculine yeah. clothing possible. And it's insane that Hollister yeah. was like the most masculine clothing. I know. It's like, yeah. surf's up, dude. What? Yeah. <laughs> but and now we have the sort of even the mat and I, and I don't want to shame anybody, but even like the mask gay dudes who then will go on the weekends and have like their drag parties on the weekends, but they'll still like present mask all of the time and like shame anyone who's femme in everyday life and in regular mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. it's just it's like, I, I still remember I, I went on a date with this, with, uh, I, I'll say it, a Russian gentleman many years ago. And he was, it was so funny because he had very outdated uh, views on gender conformity, but he also only called me beach and would dress in drag. Oh, like, like bitch? But, yeah, bitch. But but in his Russian accent, he's like, oh, beach. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then he, he, would, he showed me pictures of him in drag. And then he would literally, like you just said, Alan, he would talk about how like if someone was feminine, he'd be like, oh. I'm not into yeah. not into why do you why do you act like that and all these things it's like so it's weird it's insane that the impact that straight male cultures had over particularly queer men it's oh, it's yeah but also fun to watch right Joey? it is, fu- it is fun, fun to watch, watch. <laughs> fun to watch fun to watch yeah i mean i think i think men are just yeah like pretty broken and uh, uh there's a lot to think about with it. yeah yeah the with difference the difference that. is that you put all the energy and feelings about it into a thoughtful play 
versus unfortunately so many guys who are like me i fucked the whole football team honey and you're like <laughs> that's yeah, alan think- <laughs> except i didn't fuck the football team i just gave blowjobs to every straight man in high school oh <laughs> my god we're all yeah. happily in, married in now and i get the Chris kirkwood part. missouri all right i guess i, 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 guess yeah. I should move there I mean, um, well, Joey can Joey, relate. I see the smile. He's relating I to me. Relate. I, <laughs> yeah. so I, went, so I went to one of those weddings. That's right. <laughs> thank you so much for doing the podcast. Where can people find you online? And where people where can people find trans? Yeah, so I am online at, at Joey Christmas on Instagram and on Twitter. The uh, the O oh, and Joey is a zero, but also okay. Joey Christmas. And <laughs> right. um and on uh and trance can be found at, at trance comic on instagram and also is available to pre-order um on various websites like barnes and noble awesome. and amazon wherever you oh, can great. find books um yeah trance comic joey capuana trans comic joey you can google that you'll find it's great it. all right hey, thanks so much thanks joey and another thing so Elliot recently discovered a singer by the name of Lucille Bogan from the 1930s uh, and, and, and 20s and shit or whatever. Uh, he sent me a clip of hers, and I must say, it's a, her singing is a little outside of the box. Here, check this out. I got nipples on my titties, big as the end of my thumb. I got something between my legs, I'll make a dead man come. Oh, daddy. Baby, won't you shave them dry? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I was I just her. like, Elliot sent, I just was so obsessed with this. I did look her up. It looks like she didn't necessarily only make really raunchy songs. <laughs> no, but she got she most was, famous for it. But she got most famous for it. But it's so crazy to hear that kind of like dirty rhetoric from oh, yeah. like almost a hundred years ago, you know? Well, How did was... you find her, Elliot? Well, they so she was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame in 2022. And so they had talked about it on Stern. Um, and so they played some cl- a clip of it. And I was like, it blew my mind. It's just like yeah, the yeah. dirtiest, filthiest of the You're like, they had those words in the 30s? Like, yeah, I know. You know it's such a, 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 a who, who would have guessed, you know? Um, and then also on Stern, I, I one of my favorite moments of 2022 was when one of their writers um we've had nick record on but there's another writer um chris wilding who's gay and 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 also brilliantly funny and he did an impersonation of lucille bogan talking about her 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 quote-unquote like filthy pussy and it was (laughs) it was so so ridiculous and i just i just loved it so much and i just i I don't know like like just it's one of these moments where you're like how did this exist well it makes me think of like because I'm obsessed with, you know, movies. And there was the whole thing of, like, before the code and after the code. And there was this whole code implemented in, like, the 1930s, a decency code or a moral code that films had to abide by. And it basically, like, saturated Hollywood for, like, 30 years before they were able to break free of it with the the breakdown of the studio system. And you watch some of those early films before the code, like the Mae West films, and they're actually kind of filthy. Like, some of the things she says is, like... Shockingly body and filthy, but not in like the cutesy like thirty ways. We're talking about like her talking about anal sex. Wow. Do you think? Do you think there will ever be a day where you see penetration in like a a motion picture? 
Well, there has been technically in a motion. Well, tech, I, you, you know what I'm talking about, like going to a regular R-rated movie and you yeah, see penetration. No, I don't think I don't think you'll have that. Mm-hmm. No, but I also yeah. don't. Think, I also don't think now with the rise in, you know, there's um, what do they call them? They're on sets now. It was just because of Me Too they got brought on. Um, uh, oh, uh, intimacy, intimacy coordinators. Intimacy coordinators. Oh, right. Most films come in when a sex scene is being filmed or anything intimate is being done. <laughs> and they basically like, and each actor sort of is helped with this intimacy coordinator to sort of make them feel comfortable, but also make sure that they're safe, yeah. they're not being taken advantage of, all of these different things. So yeah. I think because we've gone in such a great direction in protecting people from the horrible things in which Hollywood can do to people, I think now that's probably an impossible thing. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think probably. I, I, let me just throw out real quick. I've actually seen uh, intimacy coordinators work. Um, actually, Elliot brought one to a bar once, and he took him around <laughs> to kind of greet, greet uh, all the different gentlemen at the bar. But anyway, go ahead, Elliot. <laughs> I was just saying the reason I love Lucille Bogan is because they they she impl- basically employed words that Brent uses all the time, like. <laughs> like titties like just titties is is big but you can't believe that these lyrics they're they're so filthy she says i got nipples on my titties big as the end of my thumb i got something between my legs will make a dead man come i mean Uh, it's so good it's so good now your nuts hang down like a damn bell sapper and your dick stands up like a steeple your goddamn asshole stands open like a church door and the crab walks in like people oh shit baby won't you shave them dry what is it i'm not even what is she talking about shaving dry uh i don't, oh, I don't even know i don't know because shave them dry is her big song and that's that's the one that you in, you put in here but like i want to know like how people listened to this music me too i think it was like secretly at nightclubs yeah i mean or or it was like an underground because they had the rec i mean they had records then right like i guess i don't know Mm, i don't think so i don't think so either in the 30s i don't i don't we're bad we're bad maybe well there was i don't i don't think do they have ipods back then (laughs) (laughs) it's part of a her music was part of a, a genre called dirty blues, like literally uh, dirty blues. Oh, but the blues that was in general all about... was very much like an anti, like it was a protest genre in a lot of ways. Like you could get away with a lot in blues and jazz in the early, especially with the Harlem Renaissance and a lot of what they, with the, the music that was coming out of the Harlem Renaissance, like there was some really interesting counterculture things coming out of jazz and blues in the early part of the 20th century. Yeah, and apparently, I mean, apparently Lucille's song Shave Him Dry was one of the most um, most explicit, but I mean, you'll also, (laughs) you're not going to not want to, well, you're not going to want to miss My Girl's Pussy by Harry Roy. (laughs) 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 Or Let Me Play With Your Poodle by Tampa Red. See, but the funny thing about all of this is, like, Elliot is laughing right now, but the, the other day I sent him a text if he, asking if he'd shaved his pussy that day, and he didn't even write me back. (laughs) Did you ever... (laughs) I know you want to end there, but I have to ask this question. Did you, <laughs> Fine. Did you ever watch the film Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Viola? No. Oh, you I should. heard it's oh, amazing. It is so good. But Ma Rainey was also, she wasn't as filthy in her music as, as this, but there was that element of her being kind of like, she was a, a kind of a known lesbian. She was larger. She kind her of and, uh, what's it? Bessie Bessie Smith too. Yeah, yeah. And she would do like she was she was just kind of like a bad bitch. And you look at yeah like, her Wikipedia page, and she is she's awesome. She's something else. And it's and and you had that in that music in that era. Yeah, yeah. Lucille Bogan 
Ma Rainey and Bessie Smith were like power, like powered les by like they yeah. were everything Gen Z like this once like to dreams be. of yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Viola Davis should have won that Oscar. Francis McDormand, I fucking hate you. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? The New York Times is my trigger word, but for a much different reason than the <laughs> trans community. Um, my In lieu of my Aunt Joanne, I know my mom would say, I'm all about therapy, but I know you speak about me constantly. I know that's what you're talking about. <laughs> that's what she says. She says, do you sit there and talk about me? <laughs> what that's about really funny. Aunt Anne. Aunt Anne would say, well, Joey might have slept with a bunch of straight guys, but I've shared elevators with lots and lots of gay men. I have a feeling, <laughs> she, tries, I have a feeling she tried to flirt with them because she would yeah. do that. Yeah, that's Try to like get their attention in the elevator. Try to convert them or something. Yeah, something. Guys, just, go just, our Patreon. Just like our guest, Joey. Um, go to our Patreon and subscribe. We get fun. There's the fun segment. Oh, you son of a bitch is so much fun. We share. The fun never stops. We, the fun we never share, stops. We share so many intimate things. You don't want to miss it. And I, um, I wanted to I, just throw it real quick. Um, we agreed that everyone who joins our Patreon uh, for more than one month gets a picture of Elliot with his legs spread. So we go. We <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Elliot? <laughs> I was going to say, my joke was regarding uh, something we talked about in the Patreon segment. So I apologize if oh, okay. that threw anybody off, although nobody's listening to this part. <laughs> right. Everyone's done. Right? <laughs> Shave them dry. Good night and good luck.